Hello and welcome to the first, um, what do I want to call it, session, podcast, episode, whatever you want to call it, of Sit in the Attendee's Chair with myself, Joanne Dennison, CMP. And we don't, I have no idea where this is going, to be honest, but it's something that we've been thinking about doing for a while. And so many of you say, oh, I listened to the videos and I, I know you listen to me. And of course, there's the infamous joke of we hear you in our head. So I thought I'd give more to that. But this is our first time doing this and um, we're going to see where it goes. And with me today, uh, who will probably jump in at times, is uh, first three of my troopers, those of you who know who you know follow what goes on in our company knows who the troopers are. And first, we have on microphone number one and handling right now the uh, what is this called? You know, the roadcaster. We'll say for lack of discussion. <laughs> Go ahead. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Pauline. And and Pauline, why don't you tell them a little bit about who you are too? Um, I'm a recent graduate from BU. I took Joanne's class, uh, when was it, fall 2019, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, now I'm working on social media and kind of everything marketing that um, Joanne needs help with. And live and hybrid and virtual events, too. Yeah. Uh, whatever. And um, uh, she gives uh, our group the European flair uh, because you are from? France. France. So none of us, I don't think, speak French, but she obviously does. So Ooh, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll probably have to edit that, you know, like really. <sighs> anyway, we'll get to you. Um, so thrilled to have uh, Pauline here. Just so you know, we are actually recording this in the Westford um, Community Access TV new podcast studio. Westford, Massachusetts is the town that I currently live in and I actually grew up in really excited because they created this amazing podcast studio I think we all agree and we're in here uh, learning and doing this at the same time and eventually we'll be taking call-in calls and future ones and also uh, some video but let me introduce you to the the trooper on microphone number two Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm the newest trooper to the group. Um, <laughs> I pretty much do the same thing as um, Pauline. I'm um, still learning, though, a lot, um, but I'm enjoying it. And I did take Joanne's class the spring of 2020. So for those of you who are looking for, you know, staff, go teach a class somewhere and you'll find <laughs> who you want. It's kind of the <laughs> lesson here. Right. But I'm thrilled to have both of them. And Kelly, you are from? Florida. Florida. <laughs> And she chose to go to Boston for grad school. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of us are all trying to move to Florida. So um, anyway, love having you here. And fortunately, you know, the unfor unfortunately, the rest of the troopers live in other parts of the country and the world. Uh, but these two are currently living in Massachusetts. So they came up with us to figure out how to do all this and um, be part of it. And on Microphone number three. Some of you will need no introduction to this person. Go for it. Steve the Great here. I have taken Joanne's classes maybe a, a, a hundred <laughs> a hundred times. So uh, we have fun with that. Everybody knows me of Steve the Great when we do Zoom sessions. Virtual classes. Virtual classes. I'm sorry. What else can I say? That's enough. That's enough. Okay. We'll just leave it at that and see what happens. 
So I decided to call the first. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, and coming in on uh, over the phone lines. And like I said, we will eventually be doing uh, call-in sessions on a phone line is a uh, trooper and lots of other things. Go ahead. Tell us who you are. Hi, everybody. It's Marianne CMP. I am living in the Poconos, Pennsylvania. Um, many of you know I have taken Joanne CMP class, and it was the best thing I've ever done. And um, right now I am a senior meeting planner and looking to move forward in my career. There we go. There we go. So we're trying out all kinds of things today, and, and you guys are, are part of this journey. Um, and we are not planning on editing anything because that's just the way I guess I roll. Uh, what I decided to call this first session um, is this a version of normal. And where that comes from is last year, you know, people would talk about the new normal. And I kept calling the, this is being broadcast, uh, this is being recorded the first week of July 2021, to put it in context. So depending on when you listen to it, it'll make a little more sense. But for the past 16 months, um, I chose to refer to that time period the world was going through as the temporary normal. Because to me, normal means, uh, you know, it's a, a time of status quo. Yes, things change, but it takes something huge like, oh, a pandemic uh, to start a new version of normal. Uh, but to me, when that happens, it's signifying that it's going to be for a very long time. Like it's a key thing and we will go on like that uh, until there is another major change. So I called the time of the pandemic the temporary normal because we already knew it was going to come to an end. It's not like normal normal where you're waiting to see what happens. Unfortunately, a war, a recession, uh, you know, something horrible, unfortunately, that turns our normal upside down. So to me, that was the temporary normal because we knew it would end in, in, in the scheme of history, a foreseeable future. And now this is what I'm calling the new version of normal. Um, so what I see is a lot of really interesting things, and I've even been caught in the middle of some of it, as I'm going to share. But I also did a presentation for MPI New Jersey the end of May at their uh, New Jersey Meets Conference um, virtual. And the title of it was Sit in the Attendees Chair, Now What? And so a lot of my thoughts from that are what I wanted to share with you today. And all of you feel free, all four of you feel free to jump in whenever you want, um, if you want to say something. And what I based it around is, uh, you know, one of my favorite things to say, sit in the attendee's chair. And for those of you who might not know, sit in the attendee's chair is uh, based on the concept of Maslow and moving up through Maslow's hierarchy and where are we in meetings. And uh, there's places you can find the... Um, the graphic that's been done to show that. But uh, what's happening right now, how this ties in with sitting in the attendees chair is people keep going, oh, we're going back to normal. We're going back to normal. We're going to have face-to-face -face meetings and, and this will be good. And we'll go back to what we were doing in February of 2020. But what I have felt all along is no, we will never go back exactly to what we're doing in February of 2020 because we changed. We changed, the world changed too, but we as individual changed. And how this ties in with Maslow especially is the fact that the second tier on uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs after basic needs is security. 
And this is something as we sit in the attendees chair and we plan our meetings and events, we need to give thought to. What is it like to sit in our attendees chair? And always attendees have a variety of, um, you know, depending on what they've gone through, their filters, their experiences, it's all slightly different. But in this case, it may even be more so. So one of the things we need to say is everyone's going, oh, yeah, we're going back to face-to-face -face meetings, face-to-face -face meetings, since there are people who do not want to go back to face-to-face -face meetings. And we need to think about that. Um, we need to think about why should I go? That's what they're thinking. Why, why would I go to a face-to-face -face meeting? Well, part of it is we obviously all want to see each other again. I mean, that's, isn't that what we've been talking about for a year and a half? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to hug you. I can't wait to, you know, that's what we've been talking about. Um, so, you know, everyone has been talking about, oh, yeah, everyone's going to come back to face-to-face -face meetings. But I don't really think so. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more options that people are thinking about now that they know that there's options. Um, first of all, when I think of some of the reasons people might not want to go to face-to-face meetings, some are the obvious still, like, is it physically safe? Is it healthy for us to go? You guys think so? What do you guys think? I think it depends on the scale of it and who are the people, you know, do you know them? Can you trace them in case they get sick or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, are we requiring vaccinations? Proof this of? This is a tricky part, yeah. yeah. Yep, especially as we look at worldwide meetings too, because the world is so, the United States is so different. And I will admit, you know, when I talk about things, obviously it's very strongly from a U.S. point of view, although I try to pay attention to what's going on in the world, but I've only ever lived in the United States. So, you know, I will always have that until I get the opportunity to live somewhere else. But yeah, it, it is a very tricky situation, and right now, of course, the, the Delta variant is growing tremendously in both the United States and many other places in the world. UK is really battling it. So, you know, a lot of people go, I don't know, maybe this isn't safe. I'm good right now, I'm vaccinated, but there's still a lot we don't know. Um, but other reasons that I think of that people might not want to go um, are... You know, besides their health or their family's health or, or things like that, you know, all we talked about, Steve the Great, because he'll probably glare at me if I don't say that, and I have talked about, you know, for the past 16 months, as many people have, is when we get to travel again, when we get to travel, where would we go? Where, where would be the first place domestically? What would be the first place internationally? Um, but here's the thing. It's real easy to forget that travel can actually be a hassle. You know, when you can't have it, all you're thinking about is laying on a beach or looking at some beautiful scenery or eating at some great, uh, hmm, interesting. Marianne says she can't hear me. Anything on the, sorry, we're still learning the technology. I don't know that you're coming through my headphones either, but. I can hear you fine. Okay. Okay. So you get the experimental part with it, like I just heard myself better too, so I don't know. Marianne, can you hear me now? Turning into a. She can unmute yourself herself too if she wants to speak to us. Yeah, Marianne, you can come on. I mean, uh, by all means. Can you hear everyone else? Can you hear Pauline? Can't hear her. No. Can you hear me now, Marianne? 
Well, I'm not sure what happened to Marianne, so I'm going to keep talking in the <laughs> meantime while you, you figure out why we're learning this. Um, but we do forget that travel can be, it can be a real hassle. And we like to think it's worth it, and usually it is. But I was thinking back to, you know, first of all, people are already pushing back about going to commute to the office. Mm-hmm. Because they've discovered they can do many things very well from home, and actually it's less of a hassle. They're not commuting, uh, they're saving time, they're saving money, they can handle family obligations better. And as we start looking at meetings, I really believe a lot of people are going to push back on that too. Like, well, why should I go spend four days away from my family and make all the arrangements? And what I got to thinking about was... Uh, when my mother was alive and lived with us, I finally made the realization that, yes, there's always fuss, but I had, you know, I'm a meeting planner. I have a list. I have a list. I'm good on list. We all are good on list. list. Um, But, uh, um, you know, it wasn't the travel for business. Like I had my packing list. I had whatever I needed to do for work with it and everything like that. But what really put a lot of strain on me for traveling was making arrangements for my mother. Um, You know, making sure, especially if Steve was traveling too, that we had 24-hour care. I made sure all the food was in the house. I made sure all the medication was in the house. Anything else she would need while I was gone. And that added a huge amount of stress along with wondering, would she be okay while I was gone? So I'm not alone. There are people who are caregivers, whether it be of parents, um, uh, uh, spouses, but, you know, children, perfectly healthy children. There's still all that, oh, my gosh, and this one's got basketball, and that one's got this, and that one's got to go to dance lessons, and that one's going to go, you know, is everyone going to remember to get them there, and i got to make sure their uniforms are clean, and they're, you know, it's, it's a hassle. It puts a whole nother level on traveling for business. Um, you know, for those people who, you know, live in an apartment and don't even have plants, they just kind of, and I've talked to that, they pack, they lock the door and they leave and they go on a business trip and go, what's the problem here? You know, but the minute you have plants or a cat or a dog or anything like that, life gets complicated and gets more complicated as you go to, you know, family members and other family members and things like that. So I really think that a lot of people are going to begin to push back on, well, we did this, I attended this meeting last year from my home. Why do I have to get up and go to that meeting and make all those plans for my family on top of it? So, you know, when people kept trying to tell me, well, face-to-face meetings are going to, you know, we're never going to have virtual again, we're never, I really believe that, uh, and I think we're beginning to see this, that hybrid meetings are here to stay because we can accommodate so many other people because they can attend the meetings. And I even started thinking about, you know, so uh, those of you who have sat in sessions with me know I refer to meetings as as the marketing meetings, the ones we have to convince people to go, and the other ones I call the register or be fired meetings, where your company mandates that you will be at this meeting or or whatever. But I got to thinking, what about um, a woman who's seven, eight, nine months pregnant? Does she just not go to the meeting because... They advise that women who are seven months or more pregnant don't fly. Um, So I think there's a lot of things we need to think about about why people will not go to -to face-to-face meetings, maybe forever, Um, and and how do we create that? 
uh, you know, and I don't know, just some thoughts here. No, I think I, hold on, we're still, no, it was on the other issue. Sorry, we're still playing technology at the same time that I'm trying to be intelligent here, um, which is not about the technology, let's put it that way. So anyway, um, but there's all kinds of other things we need to take into consideration about, uh, um, you know, what type of meetings are we going to have? And I got really frustrated last year, you know, in the past when people have said, well, you know, I can't wait for face-to-face -face meetings to come back because I don't want to do the technology. I don't want to do the virtual. And I kept saying to people, and it was almost like meeting planners thought it wasn't their job to create a virtual meeting. And, um, you know, one of the things I kept probably pontificating was it's not our job. It, it, it is our job to create excellent meetings, the best meetings we can. Doesn't matter if they're face-to-face, -face, if they're hybrid, if they're virtual, our job is to create the best. And I think that's something that we need to remember, you know, going forward too. You guys wanna jump in and add anything? Marianne, are you still there or did we lose you entirely? I am here and I agree 100%. Uh, that virtual meetings are necessary and planners should be involved. Um, I think in the beginning of COVID, a lot of people misunderstood what that was. And now that we got a little further in learning more about it, it is definitely true that planners have a lot to do with hybrid meetings, virtual meetings. Um, and as you said, they are definitely here to stay. And I think, well, Pauline and uh, Kelly, you were both nodding your heads. What are your thoughts on this? Steve, you can jump in too, but your thoughts are usually s different. <laughs> but you're more than welcome to jump in. You can always speak from an attendee point of view too. Like what meetings would you go to and what wouldn't? Well, I That's am... It's a deep subject. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm mm. going to be presenting and attending at some virtual meetings. And uh, I guess it's going to be a wave of the future. I know there's one that's coming up that I'm going to speak at. It already has 388 virtual attendees. Um, so it's not outside the realm of hanging around forever, I think. Yeah. And this is it. People say virtual, but you got to remember that hybrid is a mixture of face-to-face -face and virtual. So even if you're doing hybrid, you need to know virtual meetings. What are your thoughts, Kelly and Pauline? Anything you want to add? I mean, I completely agree with what's been said. Um, I don't really think I have anything else to add at the moment. But what was interesting, so uh, Kelly was in um, the class I taught in the spring of 2021, and uh, Boston University, where I was teaching, took a what they called learn from anywhere approach for the um, 2021 year. Actually, well, yeah, we'll just say that. That's easier. And so students could actually attend in the classroom. So I went to the classroom every week to teach face to face. They could do it Zoom or they could even do it asynchronously a word I had no clue what it meant until you know 10 months ago or whatever so I had some people for example on the other side of the world who watched the recording of it but Kelly was one of the ones who chose one of my two who chose to actually come face to face in the class 
Um, what made you decide to do that? I mean, we were in Boston, and the first half of the semester was crappy weather, and yet you, from Florida, you know, somehow managed to make it to class. That always amazed me, considering I had half of the Bostonians, like, sitting there in their... Right. I just, like, just being in person is so much different than virtual. Like, I feel like I just... I'm engaged more and I learn so much better than, well, in person in the classroom um, rather than over Zoom. So I'm not, I'm not sure why more people in Boston didn't take adva- advantage of going to class and teaching fa- or learning face-to-face. Yeah. Especially since it was like, what, a two, two o'clock in the afternoon class? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're up by then, right? Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah, it was ex- it was an extremely tough situation, too, because the majority chose not to turn the screens on. So it was very hard from the presenter standpoint. But I think even for people in the class, you know, they weren't seeing any each other's face. They didn't even know what their classmates looked like. Um, a few of you, I guess, met graduation weekend, uh, finally, face-to-face. Um, but I still don't know what over half my class actually looks like I wouldn't know them if I ran into them anywhere which actually makes me quite sad but Pauline your thoughts well just to go back to the class um you know being all online and people not having their cameras on I feel like it would be very I'd feel very removed from the process of learning just it's just like watching pretty much it sounds like it's pretty much they're watching a YouTube video it doesn't sound like they're very involved which I can see why you want it to be in person because right. there's so much that you take from people participating and talking face to face. But I also see a lot of opportunities in hybrid events and virtual events in general because there's a lot of things sometimes you just don't have time to attend in person because mm-hmm. as you said, you're traveling, you're commuting. Having those events, even if you want to have them in person, giving an option to participate at least somehow uh, virtually can be very helpful for some people who just can't get themselves to where the event is happening because commuting takes too much time. They don't necessarily have the money to travel or Mm -hmm. things like that. So I feel like I've actually been branching out more on conferences and things like that happening over COVID, which I never thought would happen given that we're all in quarantine. But I think it gave some opportunities and I hope that it will keep going. Uh, More of the virtual stuff or hybrid stuff just because sometimes there's just not enough in the particular location you're at and you just can't take the time to travel. I think you're right. And definitely financially, I mean, myself as an entrepreneur, I've had to make that decision many times. Can I justify, will I get the ROI or even do I have the cash flow to do it? Even if I wanted to go and knew I'd get the ROI, you still have to go, but I still don't have the money and everything. So, you know, it's really weird because at least 10 years before this happened, I would sit there and listen to, there were a couple of definitely, you know, people out there going, we should have hybrid meetings, we should have hybrid meetings, we should have hybrid meetings. And most of us were going, yeah, okay. You know, and like, I kept thinking why, you know, as it got closer to the pandemic, not knowing, of course, it was closer to the pandemic, I began to hear as we talked about one of the big conversations in the couple of years before the pandemic was also about the individualization of people attending your meeting. How do you bring hundreds or thousands of people to your meeting but allow them to have an individual experience? Because everyone's filters are different, so what they hear, what they experience is different. And I had heard things about, like, 
people going to face-to-face meetings, but then they would go and choose to watch part of it. You know, maybe they wouldn't be in the big session room because, you know, different people have different reasons for not wanting to go into a room of 10,000 or 3,000 people or whatever. So you could go watch it on a screen maybe with a smaller group or watch it from your hotel room, do the general sessions or whatever in your hotel room. So it's like I'd begun to think, okay, well, you know, I could see. And, of course, I was also tainted by webinars, which I thought were the most boring things in the world. I think I had attended two. I hated them so much because they were a PowerPoint screen. You never saw anyone's picture. You just heard this very monotone voice. No no offense to my my peers, um, and a bunch of PowerPoint slides. So I was very anti-virtual, as pretty much anyone who knows me will tell you. Um, so then for me to jump and turn my classes, my, mm-hmm. my CMP classes, which it was supposed to be one people. It was supposed to be last, you know, May of 2020 was going to be the only virtual class, and that was to make sure everyone was set for the May exam, which, of course, then ended up being postponed. And suddenly I do virtual CMP classes. So, but many people have told me why, why they ended up being a good thing for them. So, you know, I, uh, go going back to Pauline's point, uh, I attended that, that Georgetown conference. It's one that <gasps> I right. wanted to go to for a number of years. It was super expensive mm-hmm. to the registration fee was, you know, close to $2,000. It was in D.C., where the room rates, the minimum was three, four hundred dollars after everything they charge you, and I was able to attend <coughs> this year. Uh, they presented that for a hundred and fifty dollars. I didn't have to leave home. I could uh, the the recordings that they have are still available to me. I could download them. It was far superior from my point of view. From it was always at an inopportune time as well, and of course this year. <coughs> didn't have much to do anyway uh, during the pandemic, stay at home, and I got all that wonderful education at a great price, didn't have to travel. Yeah, and you really you really enjoyed that. I remember listening to you. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was really pumped up, and I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. When he was, you know, I could hear him in the office, like, yeah. you know. It was a good one. It was very good. So, yeah, there's a lot of advantages. And what we have to do, just like with anything else that's handed to us, is learn how to do it better. Mm-hmm. And learn, and not no, nothing is the answer to everything. I think that's the other thing we have to learn. Um, it's all about, I know this will shock many of you, the goals and objectives. You know, uh, <laughs> they're all laughing at me. Um, <laughs> and Marianne's probably laughing too. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and I know when Devin and Kim and a lot of the other, you know, yes. uh, faithfuls hear this, they will, anyone who's taken my class will, will, but it is, it's about knowing the goals and objectives. And I do believe very strongly it is about sitting in the attendee's chair. What might prevent someone to come to it? And if they want to come virtually, therefore creating a hybrid meeting, how do we make it the best version of a hybrid meeting that we can? Um, and I think that's something we, you know, really need to think about. A couple other things I'm going to just drop more for you to think about is one of my big concerns as we go back to face-to-face meetings and event is a lot of organizations, corporations, and a lot of people are talking about mental health right now. And, and you know, that people who maybe were struggling before are really not in a good place now. And a lot of people who thought they were fine. You know, it, it's been a tough 
16 months and it's it's not over you know it, it's going to be uh continue to be a tough time um what concerns me going to a very unpleasant topic is pre-pandemic the number one uh thing we talked about was security and safety i mean i spent like the two or three years before the pandemic i probably went to six different sessions on active shooters and, you know, I hate to bring that up, but the second level again of Maslow is active shooters. And we have seen a huge rise, at least in the United States, but some of the other countries too, in this type of thing happening. So I think it's something as meeting professionals, no matter where, what role you play on it, that we have to think about this. We have to think about mental health. We have to think if you're doing something that needed security in the past or whatever controversial topics, um, which now it seems like everything's controversial, um, you know, but even honestly, we need to think about disgruntled employees. You know, if people got laid off last year, they've had 16 months to think about how much they hate their company. And I, I'm not saying this at all lightly. This is something I've given so much thought to. We need to be very aware as we go to face-to-face -to -face events to think about security in this. Um, and we also need to think about how can we as organizations and possibly even at our meetings and events um, help and support positive mental health. Uh, I, we all have our scars from the past year and a half. I don't care who you are. It somehow left a scar on you. It wasn't the college year you expected. It wasn't the graduation you expected. It wasn't the wedding someone expected. Um, you lost someone uh, whether it be to COVID or COVID-related things, there's just everyone has scars from the past year and a half, and I really feel that we need to be very conscious of that. Uh, so thinking about wellness and, and wellness and mental health and security in our events, I think, is, is really key in this version of normal, as I'm calling it. Um, anyone want to comment on that? Anything? No? Okay. Um, Marianne says she lost me again. I don't know why she's losing me. Um, so on the logistics side, uh, just, you know, things we're going to be thinking about. Obviously, everyone's thinking about the obvious things, cleanliness, mask, space, food. Um, it was interesting. If you've never been on avfx.com, they are uh, the event technology partner that I work with on a lot of projects and they recently did a piece on, no one ever used to ask, is that microphone clean before it was handed <laughs> to them or wired to them or something? And now people are thinking, where has that microphone been? Who's handled it? Where, you know, And of course, these are things we should have been thinking about all along. Um, but just, you know, things like that that we just took for granted were, were the way they were. We just never thought about them. But I also think we need to think about room setups. Um, how do we create room setups for a hybrid meeting? So people, obviously, everyone knows I'm really passionate about the strategy behind room setups because a lot of people have seen the room setup video with Discovered Lehigh Valley and Wind Creek and Peeps and Crayola and everything. Um, but, you know, you always, you know, what are the goals and objectives? Set up the room accordingly. That's the strategy. But if we're going to do a hybrid, we need to think about the hybrid audience and how can they feel part of it, not just feel like a spectator. So, you know, if you just stick a camera in the back or you stick a camera right up by the stage, 
they're not really experiencing it. So thinking about how do you set up the room and where do you place the camera so they actually maybe feel a little bit like they're there. They're actually one of the attendees there. So things like that. Um, on a really random note, uh, and this keeps fluctuating, all the shortages in the supply chain. Um, I, when I started this presentation in, in May, and I said, I never thought in my life I would have be doing a presentation where mental health and supply chain were in the same presentation. I'm not sure I really knew what a supply chain was until maybe a little bit before the pandemic, but obviously we all learned a lot more about supply chain uh, during. But there's a lot of shortages that keep varying, everything from microchips, which you think doesn't affect you until you find out it's key in cars, which is why we have a shortage of cars and we have a shortage of rental cars, and prices are still pretty outrageous to rent a car right now because there is such a shortage because the rental car companies sold off a lot of their inventory because why would you keep thousands and thousands of cars that are going to sit there and rest? But unfortunately, now there's no cars for them to buy. In fact, some of the rental companies have actually started buying used cars back, which I thought was fascinating. Um, chicken is a, uh, there's a shortage of chicken, especially chicken wings. You didn't know that? I hadn't heard of that one. I didn't hear that either. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, all the restaurants who, you know, really serve chicken wings and everything, there's a shortage. And one of them is actually now has a marketing campaign to convince people they like chicken thighs as much as they like <laughs> chicken wings. So, yeah, no, there's actually a shortage, especially of wings, because everyone started going out and apparently people have embraced the buffalo mentality of you know you got to have chicken wings yeah. um yeah there's a shortage Ooh, we should tell joe he probably knows though huh oh you don't know who joe is you do yes <laughs> so joe johnson who was in our class um has created this incredible chicken wing sauce mm -hmm. and it's actually built off oh you'd love this french okay you know um so the the butter and the seasoning doesn't separate like it does in normal chicken wing sauce mm -hmm. he actually won the buffalo chicken buffalo city chicken wing contest but yeah he's getting ready to it's going to be bottled and manufactured in the next year but it's done off of a french cooking technique which i think is pretty cool for chicken yeah. wings but he'll have to tell us what else we can put it on right have you had it yet no i haven't yeah i i know some of the other um students in the class have and they yeah. really like it apparently it's really good but i mean i'm sure it is but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes joe yes we know it's good so <laughs> you know um he actually uh He's over in the Worcester area. We'll have to make a road oh, okay. trip one day to him. Well, or Joe, something. we expect a tasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, Joe, we want this whole thing. If we're promoting you to everyone, it, it can go in um, in gift bags when people register. Oh, well, it, it, you know, we'll have to yeah. figure out how to bottle it so meeting planners can buy it and put it in the registration bags for. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, what else are we missing? Um, there's actually a shortage of ketchup, primarily ketchup packets, although they may be getting that back under control. And, of course, I'm sure a lot of people have read about the lumber situation, too. A um, couple more things before, I, you know, before you get tired of me. I'm reading off my phone. Never mind. You wouldn't even – you don't even want to know what I'm trying to do here. Um, <laughs> so talking about, you know, content as we go forward – uh, at our meetings and events is I think people are going to be <laughs> my screen keeps flipping this is very funny um, 
you know, I think people are going to be looking even more and more to how the contents at meetings and events go back to the organization's value statements, mm -hmm. because I think people have spent the past year and a half really rethinking what's important to them. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there right now about the great resignation. You know, the numbers of people who are either resigning from their jobs or planning on resigning through their jobs, partially because they no longer agree with what their organization stands for. Um, so value statements, you know, people looked at their family, their work life, their health, their everything, and they're saying what's important. So they're looking more than ever for people to walk their talk, I think, at meetings and, and events. Um, and that also ties in with speakers. And for those of you who've been in my classes, you know, I talk about this, making sure your speakers are in alignment. They're laughing at me, just so you know, and I know some of you are too. Um, in alignment with your value statements and also your sponsors. Mm -hmm. Sponsors could get really tricky right now in light of all the things we've learned in the past year and a half and had time to look at. Um, I guess the, you know, a little bit about um, format. Uh, people talk about Zoom fatigue. I don't believe it. Uh, what I believe is that we're not providing stuff that's interesting enough to watch on a screen. And I think we do this, you know, first of all, we need to think of it as a TV show. People have binge watched everything this year. They can watch a screen for eight, 10 hours. There's no doubt about it, but it has to be valuable or fun and enjoyable and entertaining, even if it's, you know, interested. So I was at a, attending something in the fall and they said, you have to think of it as a TV show of producing it as a TV show. And I think that's totally, and that's what we started doing this year with the class, you know, adding music, adding pickles, adding, you know, all those things. Kelly, tell them what I did in class, and uh, you were the one who reassured me I had done the right thing. Oh, um, so you pre-recorded videos, and then you would play those in class um, about, like, the lesson that we were learning that day is that is that what you're talking mm -hmm. about and yeah it helps so much because usually people um if you go back and rewatch a, a zoom lesson oftentimes like it's hard to hear exactly what they're saying or you can't see the whiteboard in the back so um pre-recording a, a video and playing that during class made it a lot easier to go back and learn the lesson if you did miss something so I, th I thought that was a great idea and it helped a lot when I personally would go back and rewatch a lesson that I didn't fully grasp the first time. Well, and, and she, so what I decided to do is I was watching some of the videos and I was in a white room with a white shiny board behind me with white, I would finally learn to pull the blinds so the, you know, sunlight wasn't streaming in. And I thought, oh my gosh, I couldn't watch this. And my class was almost three hours long. And I thought, uh, this would just kill me. Like, there's, there's nothing there. And I made a point of trying to wear colors and everything just to... But I thought, well, what if I make, as Kelly said, if I make the point in a video from somewhere else, usually our hotel room, um, and then we started out with that and then we broke to the discussion. And part of it was I was looking for ways to break it up. So it wasn't just the camera on this really horrendous visual, not me, of course, but everything <laughs> else, you know. No. Um, so, you know, thinking about how to uh, break things up, thinking of it as a TV show, thinking of it as a production, um, you know, and the reality is, I hate to tell you, meeting planners, but in face-to-face in -face meetings, the same thing was going on. When you throw up 
all those PowerPoint slides and you can't even see the presenter's face, okay? A huge percentage of a speaker's communication is through their face. And the fact that no one can see it face to face because we turn off all the lights and only show the PowerPoint screen, people were getting up, people were using their phones, people were sleeping. If you think people were paying attention all the time in your sessions, you're fooling yourself. So we have to look at it both ways. How do we create it uh, more interesting and everything? Um, but always remember, whether it be you're doing virtual or you're doing face-to-face, -face, be able to see your speakers' faces. Don't, don't make them, you know, uh, some voice coming from wherever. But anyway, um, about the only other thing I want to say on that is consider moving forward having a lot of what is at least some white space in your meetings. And by that, what I mean is time that isn't allocated to a specific topic. A lot of times our meetings are created three months, uh, you know, six months, a year in advance, and we've picked our topics and we've slotted them in. But when people go to your meetings, they expect the education to be the most current, you know, topics going on. And if something, if you have everything slotted in and two weeks ago something changed, then they're going to expect to hear about that, not what was important six months ago. If you have white space where you know you're going to cover a topic, but you're waiting to define what that topic actually is. And yes, it's scary, but it, you know, you, there are people in your back pocket that you can have do that. Um, your attendees will appreciate it all the more. Um, any thoughts on that? No? So I just, I wanted to give an example of something that happened to us. Again, this version of normal, it is going to continue to change. Just like I said with white space, that what you're deciding now for a meeting three months from now, it could end up having to be something very different. And we just all experienced this recently is um, some of you would have seen that I was, you know, we were putting out the very first Joanne Dennison CMP meet and retreat. Thank you, Lauren Stance from Lauren, uh, from Nance Communications for the title. Um, and it was all moving along. And of course, you know, first time events are always hard. Most of you have heard me talk about them, or a lot of you have heard me talk about them in class. You know, you, you always create it with a three-time plan in mind, and, um, you know, a lot of the things you think you're going to do the first time, you don't get to do for a lot of different reasons. So about three months before we were having it, it started falling together, and, you know, we stumbled and we stumbled, but we got it together, and a lot of people had expressed interest. But here's the thing. By the time we got three, four weeks out, when people were actually registering, um, a lot of the people who had expressed interest, the world had now changed. It had opened up more. Suddenly people had gotten new jobs or they were doing their first major face-to-face -face meeting and they have, to, they have to prepare for it or fly and be in another state. And people are also, you know, I had someone message me and say, I'm going to Italy to see our children and grandchildren for the first time in a year and a half. And you know what? All those things are important. So we did make the decision to, you can look at it as cancel, that's fine, postpone, whatever. Now was not the time. It wasn't that we had a bad program. It wasn't that people weren't interested. It's just what was good three months ago for people no longer was good. So I think all of us are going to run into that as we move forward on uh, meetings and events as the world keeps evolving and changing and opening up and potentially at times closing back down. Uh, we just have to, we have to be aware that we are going to constantly be in transition and change. Any other thoughts? 
Marianne, I have no idea if I've lost you or not. Are you there, Marianne? Oh, you're back. That's weird. I don't know why. Anyway, it seems to keep muting you on my phone. I'm not sure why. Glad to hear you. Yeah, you, I don't know. Could you, and you couldn't hear any of that? No, 15 minutes. I was dead. <sighs> Well, <laughs> you would have loved it. It was great. I can assure you. <laughs> I know. The last I heard, you were talking about mental health. That yeah. was it. And then I was talking about a lot of the things I talked about in New Jersey needs, you know, like shortages, supply chain shortages, oh. and things like that. Yeah, you'll live. You've heard it before. Um, <laughs> Good job. So Good I, job. I'm guessing we have gone. Yes, we've gone quite a while. So um, any last comments? So that is, to me this version of normal at least on this first week of july um yeah. so you know hopefully there was something of interest to you that you will think about uh tuning in for the second one when we do it anyone want to add anything? definitely yeah yeah pauline when you get back from france you can tell us everything about you know international the world has changed there <laughs> yeah i bet yeah that'll be really interesting mm -hmm. it just Everything from, you know, restaurants to even, you know, flying. Yeah. Because you haven't flown over there since when? Oh, I've been back uh, for Christmas. Okay. So I've yeah. seen a bit of COVID times, but. Yeah. yeah. But it's changed a lot. It, it in probably these six, has. seven restaurants months. Restaurants are finally open now. Yeah. Which, you know, they were closed for six months in France. That's a, that's a big thing. <laughs> With the bakeries? No, the bakeries are open. Those are open, essential. Yeah. Those yeah, are yeah, essential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> we're good. We still have bread. <laughs> bread and pastries. Good. And wine. And wine. And the yeah. wine shops are open, too. <laughs> wine shops and bakeries. Yes, they know what an essential <laughs> store is over there. Well, um, we can't wait to hear about that when you get back. Anything you want to jump in, Kelly, and talk about? Nothing comes to mind. <laughs> Nothing comes to mind. We're also in the United States right now going through a lot of weather issues, which mm -hmm. will in turn have uh, impact. Hopefully your family will not be impacted too much by the hurricane coming up. I know it's hitting on the West Coast. So. I haven't kept up with that. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have hurricanes every year, though. Yeah. Sometimes they're worse than others. But, yeah, I need to ask them about that. This yeah. is news to me. It came <laughs> up the West Coast. It's going up by oh, Tampa. Okay. So, you, yeah, you might want to might want to pay attention since you're in Tallahassee. Yeah. Right? Tallahassee. Yes, Tallahassee. Yeah. So, um, Steve the Great, do you have anything you want to add? I'm hungry. You're hungry. Mm -hmm. So, in, in honor of Devin, before Steve gets too hangry, a word he learned from Devin in class uh, the, sorry, I hope you didn't get bored too much in this 45 minutes. Um, but uh, look forward to hearing you, uh, or hearing from you. Just keep following us. We'll figure this all out yet. But thanks so much for listening to this and uh, love to hear from you one way or another. Talk to you soon. I guess we'll all say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.